Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. And I must share, I did something last night that is like the highlight of my career, of my life. Childhood Katie is screaming. Like if she knew what I did last night, she'd be freaking, freaking out. And that is, guys, I met Candice Bushnell, aka the creator of Sex in the City. Like Sex in the City is only in existence. And just like that, the spinoff show is only in existence. These four actresses that play Miranda, Carrie, Samantha, Charlotte are only as famous as they are because of this woman. I mean, I'm assuming because obviously they probably had their own careers before they did, but like, you know, Sex and the City really exploded a lot of people's careers. It really spoke to so many women around the globe. It really inspired me to move to New York City. And I got to meet the woman that did all of that. I literally got to stand next to her and we hugged. We took a picture. Like, I'm just in in shock. If you guys want to see the photo, I put it on my Instagram. But this is like a highlight of my career. I have always looked up to Candace Bushnell. Like for majority of my young life, I I knew who she was. I knew her story. And I just continued to eat up every single thing that she did. And here I am at 26 being considered cool enough to get invited to this show and invited to the meet and greet afterwards where I'm able to say a few words or whatever I want to this woman that has absolutely changed my life, who has inspired me to move to this city, who has inspired me to put my life online in this way. This woman has done so much for me and I I got to tell her that. So all in all, it was a very special experience, definitely one for the books, one that I will remember and treasure forever. Like I was able to tell my idol that she is my idol and 
just, I don't know, there's something about that that just makes you feel so fulfilled and like, yes, okay, full circle moment. And the show itself was very good too. Like she told the unfiltered story of her life in a way that I never knew it. I've always wanted to do a podcast episode on Candace Bushnell and her life, but this just sealed the deal for me, made it even more of a want and desire for me to do a podcast episode about her because she really filled in a lot of the blanks in her life story. And though I won't share everything today because obviously you guys should go see her show. (laughs) It's called Is There Still Sex in the City? Definitely check it out if you haven't. She also has a book by the same name that also details a lot of this stuff. So definitely check that out. But today I'm going to give you guys the bite-sized history of Candace Bushnell, how she went from sleeping on her friend's couch because she couldn't afford to pay rent as a writer. Like she literally went from that to creating something based on her life that would become a household name, Sex and the City. So how did she do it? I'm going to tell you guys a story today about the life of Candace Bushnell, a woman that I actually met last night, which I just can't believe. I can't believe it. Anyway, okay, this is actually the first time in thick and thin history that I've actually met someone I'm telling a story about, I feel, because everyone I usually choose is no longer with us. But Candace Bushnell is very much here. She is 63 years old and thriving, and I can't wait to talk about her today. Okay, so let's take things from the top, from the beginning. Candace Bushnell grew up in 1960s Connecticut in a town called Glastonbury. Though Candace, who went by Candy with an I for much of her young life, and her two sisters used to call it Glastonboring, and she explained this to Times of London writer Joe Warwick. She said, it doesn't have a movie theater and everyone likes horses. It's that sort of place. Candace's parents had met at a library, which is actually fitting because Candace would go on to become obviously a writer and a very successful one at that. So when her parents met, her mother had just graduated from college and was working in a library. And her father, who was from Texas, walked in one day. They fell in love and got married after eight months together. And Candace was born nine months later. She was followed by two younger sisters, Deirdre and Alyssa who she's still close with today. When she was young, Candace was always putting on plays in her neighborhood and tried to cast the other kids in her productions. I actually did this too when I was young. My parents were so freaking cute about it too. They strung up this like fake kind of curtain situation in my basement where I could pull the curtains back and forward and they would set up chairs down there and we would put on productions. So I totally had one of these faces as well. And she would make up all the stories, Candace would, for these plays herself. She would record the shows on cassette and then she would, a little businesswoman, would charge people in the neighborhood a fee to hear them. And when I was reading up on Candace's childhood, She didn't discuss this in the show last night, but I was doing some reading on it. I realized just how similar our childhoods were in terms of my early attempts at being a businesswoman, like way before I needed to, way before I understood what it even meant to make money, to make profit off of things. I was making a profit. So I think I've told this story before, but it's super relevant and I'm sure a bunch of you guys forgot. But okay, so I used to decorate the front of people's agenda books I don't know if you guys had agenda books growing up, but we had these these like books essentially with like every single day in it and a calendar of sorts. It's like a planner, I guess. But each day we'd write our homework down and then 
our parents or our nannies or babysitters or whoever watched us do our homework had to sign their name on the bottom of the day and you'd show your teacher and get a stamp and if you didn't do it like your parents would be called or like you'd get in trouble or I don't know so we had these agenda books that we worshipped because obviously they were like you know the difference between life or death in elementary school and they were ugly guys the covers of these things were god awful and even elementary school Katie knew that they were ugly. Like, I don't know. I just didn't like it. Didn't like whatever. It was always a shark or something because that was my school mascot. And so I always, every single time we got a new agenda book, which I believe was like twice a year we got a new one, I would always redo the cover. Like I would take clippings from magazines and I would make a collage and put it on the front of the, the agenda book and use clear packing tape to laminate it. <laughs> and I would do that and I bring it to school and everyone thought I was so cool. I would even like do kind of like ransom note style would cut out letters and spell out my name on the front and like put Justin Bieber on there, whoever was cute. I forgot who was cute back then. Like who was cute when I was in elementary school? Like 5th grade probably. It was when I did this. 4th, 5th grade, maybe 3rd. I always forget how like oddly mature people are when they're in like 3rd, 4th grade, 5th grade like you think that they're they're babies, but they're like, you know, pretty functioning. Anyway, so I was doing this for myself. And then other people obviously were like, wait, can you do that for me? And I did it for my friends for free at first. And then there was like randoms asking me to do this for them. And it took like a lot of work. It took me like an hour and a half to do each cover. So I'm like, okay, you know, time is money here. I'm going to start charging these people. So I started charging people to do this cover collage situation. And I remember I would charge, I believe, 50 cents, maybe 25 cents per design. And this would go down during recess. I'd be out like on the playground <laughs> with my designs and people would buy them from me and I would tape them onto their agenda book. Like I would bring them to school with me. I'd bring my goods and I would sell them at recess. <laughs> which is like crazy reflecting on this. My mom didn't know, like my parents did not know. And I'm assuming I might've gotten in trouble if this was ever found out, but it wasn't. I was profiting off of this as I deserved, to be honest, for the labor I put into it. And I remember saving up my quarters to buy cookies at lunchtime. Like that's what I would save up this money for because what else was I really buying? Or occasionally there was this like ice cream man that would come around the neighborhood and I always had a hard time still do, asking people for money and help. So I'd never really, I would ask my parents for money when I needed things like need, like necessity. But in terms of wants, it was always kind of hard for me to do that. So I would make my own money, make my own cash. So anyway, that was kind of me dipping my toe into what I obviously do now, which is graphic design, freelance consulting for social media, for brands. Like I, I work with brands still. I still offer my creative services to brands. My whole Patreon is me offering my creative juices to you guys. So that's kind of what I do today. And it all started in childhood, like Candace, like Candace literally making these plays and recording them and selling them. That was her, her early days of dipping her toe into storytelling and involving her life in her stories. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully 
done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. She actually said in this piece for The Guardian that her and her sister, Alyssa, they played instruments in these shows. They had reel-to-reel tape recorders so they could do sound effects. She said, when we were kids, our town library was huge in our lives. That was our outing. And this likely jump-started her love for books and writing and words. So Candace's father was a rocket scientist, and he actually held a patent for the first fuel cell made for the Apollo space rocket. In their family home, they had books about rockets and science, and Candace's sister, Deirdre, actually went on to becoming an engineer, but Candace saw a different path for herself. In the show last night, Candace said something about her young life that shook me to my core. I sat there and I had goosebumps when she said it. She said, in those days, women really only had four choices, four realistic choices for a career when she was growing up, nurse, teacher, librarian, or secretary. She said women at this time couldn't even have their own bank accounts, which I think I knew from researching a different story, but seeing this woman stand on stage, like she in the flesh, 63 years old, looks amazing, looks beautiful, and has had this life. The fact that she grew up in a time, she's walking among us today, but grew up in a time when women couldn't have bank accounts when she was younger. That's just insane how far we've come in such a short span of time, honestly. Anyway, so Candace was reading a book in the third grade, likely at school or maybe in the library because she loved the library when she had this major epiphany. She was in third grade and had this major epiphany. She said, I am going to be a writer, but not just any writer. Candace thought of her father, the successful rocket scientist, and he had said to her, you've got to change this world and make a major contribution like he had. And she argued with him that there were so many inequalities in terms of gender and what a woman could accomplish in a man's world. Like I said, at this time, she thought there was only four career paths for her that were 
open to her. And her dad had said that while she had good major ideas that people would need to hear eventually, no one is going to listen to her. No one's going to listen to those words of hers if she yelled them. That's what he said to her. And Candace told the New York Times that she learned very early on to coat everything in a candy-colored, sugar-coated message because that's how you move society. And that's exactly what she did. She learned how to discuss feminism in her work in a way that didn't scare anyone off. It was super digestible because she dusted every story with her signature humor and glitz and glam and made feminism sexy in a way that just had not been done before. But backing things up, before she was a writer, before she'd done any of that, after high school, Candace went to Rice University in Houston, Texas for college, but she ended up leaving before earning her degree in order to move to New York City, you guessed it, to chase her dreams of becoming a writer slash maybe an actress. She was just 19 years old. She had actually heard a novelist give a talk at her university, a successful novelist, and he had told her that if she was ever in New York City, to give him a call. So she did. He was actually the only person she knew of in New York, so she called him up on a payphone the moment she got to the city, and she ended up dating him. And after him, she dated a slew of other men in New York City who inspired these characters that she would bring with her into column pieces, books, eventually to TV and movies. She had a way of weaving her life into everything she wrote. But back to the timeline. We're now in the 70s, and Candace is living it up in New York City in the Studio 54 era. If I could go back to any time in American history in New York, it would definitely be Studio 54 era of the 70s. It just seems so cool to me. And hearing Candace talk about it last night was just, it confirmed to me that if I could go back in time, I would do it. So she was going out, she was clubbing, she was meeting people, dating people, having threesomes, all sorts of things that gave her substantial material to write about. And her first published piece as a writer in New York City was actually inspired by clubbing. And she titled it, How to Act in a Disco. Prior to this, she'd actually written and sold a children's story, which was never actually published, to Simon & Schuster. And I'm really curious about this. I actually, I want to read this book. I wonder what it was like. This is like her first sold piece. And it never got, never saw the light of day. It was never published. And obviously, it's a bit different, like writing a children's story versus this life of sex and cosmopolitans. Very different. So... But you got to start somewhere. Over the next decade, Candace wrote for a million different magazines, including Ladies Home Journal, Good Housekeeping, Cosmo Beauty and Fitness, and Self. She'd write about really anything she was handed. She would take anything. But of course, she gave it her own signature spin. She said, I write about colons, foot fungus, you name it. She said it was really good training and great discipline. You have to write to a prescribed word length and make whatever you're writing interesting to keep the reader turning the page. So this prepped and primed her to go freelance, which I personally know very well, obviously, as a freelancer. It's a huge leap. And at first, things were off to a good start. In the early 90s, she had pieces published in GQ and other reputable publications, But the freelance life was a bumpy one for Candace. She got behind on her rent 
and was evicted from her apartment, which she said was her lowest point. So how did she go from living on her friend's couch because she couldn't pay rent to creating the empire that is sex in the city? Well, she credits a lot of it to a pair of black Manolo boots, which she calls her magic boots. Candace was struggling financially, but she still had a weakness when it came to shoes. And last night, actually, during the show, she did this series of real or not real myths where she debunked the myths about her and Carrie Bradshaw, what was real, what was not real. And one of them was, do I have a shoe obsession like Carrie Bradshaw? And she said, she's hilarious, by the way. She said, no, Carrie Bradshaw has a shoe obsession because of me. (laughs) So one day when she had a job interview for a writing position at the New York Observer, she got a call from her friend Amelita to meet her at Manolo Blahnik because there was this pair of boots that was to die for that she just had to have, which if you guys watch Sex and the City, the actual, the show, the series, if you guys have seen season two, I believe it's early on in season two when she goes to Manolo Blahnik and she gets this pair of shoes and she can't, like the credit card gets cut up and then this woman appears out of nowhere named Amelita and buys the shoes for her. Well, this is kind of based on a true story. I believe last night that Candace said that she bought the shoes. Like she, Candace Bushnell, bought them herself in real life, like the real version of the story. But regardless, she had these magic boots from Manolo Blahnik and she wore said magic boots to the job interview that she had that day. So Candace didn't end up getting the role that she interviewed for, But a week or so later, she got a call from The Observer offering Candace her very own column in the newspaper. And she credited the magic boots for her luck in landing this unreal opportunity. For one of her column pieces, she went to a sex club and documented her experience there. It ran in the paper alongside a photo of her in a towel standing on a pile of New York City classic trash bags wearing, you guessed it, the very magic boots that she says got her this role. But then she got an angry phone call from her parents who saw her posing half naked on piles of trash and got a bit concerned about her and her image, about what they would say back home, about how it would affect the family. And so Candace, she heard them. She was like, okay, I don't want to stop doing this, but I also understand where you're coming from and know that it could be a bad look, but I really don't want to stop documenting my experiences in my column honestly. She was doing this revolutionary thing, exploring how it would be in the world. That was her whole goal for the column. How would it be in this world if a woman had sex like a man, if a woman acted like a man and how they are permitted to act in a variety of different scenarios. Like she was very drawn to this and felt like this was her thing. This was what she owed to the world. This was the thing that she'd talked to her father about all those years ago. This was going to change the world. This was a revolutionary concept that she just had to write about. And so she wasn't going to give all that up. So she got creative. She realized that she didn't have to stop writing about these experiences. She just had to give these experiences to someone else. She had to make them not technically hers, but still hers. 
and write about them in full color, but give them to someone else. And so that someone else ended up being this alter ego of sorts named Carrie Bradshaw. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Yep. <laughs> Candace Bushnell wasn't having all these crazy sexcapades. No, wasn't her. It was Carrie Bradshaw. Carrie Bradshaw was doing all this stuff and Candace was just writing them all down. I guess. That's what she wanted her parents to think, at least. So the column was called Sex in the City, and obviously it was a hit. And that spun itself into a book deal, and then a TV show, and then into a movie, and into perfume, and spinoff upon spinoff, and more books and more TV shows. Candace Bushnell's life here in New York City, all of the highs and lows of it, the imperfections and the tearful realizations, the love and the lust, became an empire. A household name, Sex and the City. She created these characters that women and also men have been obsessed with for years and years. Even as the world has since moved on from flip phones with bedazzles and, you know, all sorts of things have changed since the show was initially filmed. Obviously, times have really changed. People are still drawn to Sex and the City. People still watch it today. I know I do and still obsess over it. I saw that and just like that, aka the spinoff of Sex and the City, had a record number of viewers. People are still interested in these characters, in these people that were real in Candace Bushnell's life, that she created characters out of her literal experiences. That is what's crazy to me. It's like many of these things, she listed a bunch during the show of real life things that happened to her that became the storyline for Sex and the City. And the fact that it's still relevant all these years later, that it's so timeless, it's just crazy to me. It still inspires and comforts so many people around the world. And I think I know why that is, like why that's the case, why it's still relevant all these years later. I think the reason is because the main pillars of Candace Bushnell's Sex in the City still ring true today and will forever. The importance of friendship, of having your girls, of not being disloyal to your girls because obviously we saw how that happened, how that unfolded. Like whenever Carrie was horrible to the girls, like you saw how it just came and slapped her in the face. Like, you know, as I said before, it's like Candace really did a great job of creating digestible fe feminism and creating this, this easy to follow almost guide of how, how to be and how not to be, <laughs> you know? And I think that will always be relevant. Also the the struggles of being single when you don't want to be, that will always be relevant, I feel. And just sex in general. Talking about sex will always be interesting. People will always be interested in how things were and are, and it will always be something people are doing, obviously. So these, these main pillars, these themes that Candace discusses in all of her work will always be relevant no matter when it is, no matter the decade. And it's just it's just as interesting now. And a lot of it still rings true. But of course, Candace's career 
has not been a straight line to success. She's had a bunch of lows along the way in the form of unrequited love, cheating, bad reviews. She said that the day that her first book proofs arrived in the mail, actually, this is a crazy story, the day that these first books came in, like the first version of the book that she'd written called Sex in the City, Candace's real-life version of Mr. Big, he actually existed, like in real life. So he actually broke up with her the day that her books arrived because, quote, she was too much and not his version of marriage material. Candace Bushnell, who is about to be a household name, was too much. Yeah, okay. A woman speaking up and out at this time in journalism, especially about things sex-related, definitely ruffled some people's feathers, and he was one of them. The real-life Mr. Big, that's just crazy to me. So obviously these books that she got in the mail would go on to become a series on HBO that would alter people's lives forever. The worldwide viewers that watched it and the actors involved. And funny enough, Candace said that when the book was being turned into a show and they were casting for it, no one wanted to play her character, Carrie. Like Carrie was the the role that no one wanted. And an actor at the time, Matthew Broderick, still is today. So think Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That was his like first claim to fame. Was an avid reader of Candace Bushnell's column in The Observer. And he mentioned to Candace that his girlfriend, Sarah Jessica, might be interested in the character, Carrie. And we all know how that went. Candace took Sarah Jessica Parker to the actual salon ahead of filming that she got her hair done in the city. Like Candace's salon. She took Sarah Jessica to her girl and asked the stylist to give Sarah Jessica Parker the carry, like the signature look that Candace had all those years. So if you look back at old photos, Candace and Carrie look, or Candace and Sarah Jessica, I mean, look very similar, and that was on purpose. But I will say, though Carrie is technically based on Candace, and a lot of the things that happened to Candace happened to Carrie, there are still some differences between them, and she voiced a bunch of these during her show last night. So Carrie is problematic at times. I always reflect on this because I used to say to like anyone who would listen, I want to be Carrie Bradshaw. I am the Carrie of my friend group. Like I am Carrie. I am her. And then I started to realize as I got older and watched the show over and over again, like a million times, that she can be a pretty bad friend and like totally shady and not own up to her misgivings. And she can be a bad character sometimes. But Candace was adamant last night and based on seeing And hearing from her, I can kind of tell this as well. Like Candace is very grounded. She's very loyal. She's different from Carrie in that way and a lot of other ways. Like Carrie ultimately ends up with Mr. Big. She ultimately has this happy ending to the show, whereas Candace's Mr. Big is long gone. He ended up, as in the show, marrying the Natasha type and moving on and not coming back to her. And that was that. Whereas in the show, obviously, we know how that played out. Like Carrie ends up with Mr. Big. Candace doesn't have Mr. Big. She actually ends up marrying someone 10 years younger than her, a ballet dancer that she really did love for some time. But then obviously they just, you know, things didn't work out. They got divorced. So now she is living it up on her own, the solo life in Sag Harbor, half of the year with her girlfriends at her side. So the real life Miranda, Charlotte and Samantha, they're all together hanging out in Sag Harbor, 
like doing all sorts of things, going on fun dates, going on like to fun parties, like hanging out with each other. Like she truly embodies that sex in the city quote from her series. Your girlfriends are your soulmates. That is literally her life today. So she definitely distanced herself from Carrie. She is no longer that Carrie character and she hasn't been Carrie for a very long time. So anyway, that show guys was incredible. I cannot, first of all, I must say, I can't believe that Candace memorized and performed this show. Like she is 63 years old, freaking stunning, had like 17 wardrobe changes. And she said in this one piece that I found New York Times, she said that she's written 150,000 word novels and the show that she did was less than 10,000 words. She's like, I can write 10,000 words in two days. So I think it was a pretty quick turnaround time with the production but I know she's been working very hard. She's worked hard her whole life. That's another reason why she's a little bit different from Carrie. Like Carrie was like constantly running away from her editor, like dodging people's phone calls, like just didn't, she slept in all the time, like was just always in bed. Whereas it seems like Candace really hustles. She really does. So she put together this show, a one woman show. Like I said, she's the only person involved except for at one point her two dogs, her two beautiful dogs make a cameo. But other than that, it's like fully her. And she memorized the whole thing. I just can't believe it. I can barely memorize like my social security number. So she is so inspiring. Candace Bushnell is the reason that I have dreamt of this life in New York City that I'm living today for as long as I have and how you know, the reason why I've worked so hard to get here is because of this sex in the city idea, which obviously sex in the city can be absurd at times, like the series itself. There were certain parts of it that I just can't relate to in the slightest being here. Obviously, times have changed, but some of it is just because it's a TV show, of course. But at the end of the day, New York, like the way that she painted New York was so, it was just so raw, real, and yet inspiring like it was it wasn't always perfect like there were episodes where she painted it extremely like I wouldn't want to be here if I watched this episode in this episode alone but that's the that's the nature of New York City it's like you have your beautiful fun days and exciting nights and electric spirit and then there's days where everything just smells like garbage and everyone's like mean and no one gives you the time of day and it, it just feels kind of hard on those days that's the beauty of New York because you have those days and you have those great days and it's it's like any other place. But for some reason, it's just it's just the best place I've ever been. The, I can't even – I don't even know why. I think someday I'll be able to articulate it better. But she said this quote in that same New Yorker piece I – or New York Times, sorry, that I said earlier. She said, New York City was one of the few places probably in the world – this was back when she was going through – all of her stuff that she was going through to get to where she is today. She said that it was one of the few places probably in the world where you could see women who were genuinely successful, she said, and it made you feel like you could do it. People were saying, hey, if this person can do it, how come I can't? And then she said, this part I underlined and circled, and well, that's the internet now which is honestly so freaking accurate. Like you see people on TikTok doing a million things and you're like, oh, I could do that. And that's the world we live in now. It doesn't matter where you are anymore. And one last line from her show that really stuck with me and that I've been thinking about all day today. She was talking about how 
you meet men nowadays as a single woman in New York. How are we meeting men? She was talking, like addressing some of the older women in the audience and saying, you wouldn't believe it. Nowadays, you can order someone up like a sandwich. That's literally verbatim what she said. She's like, in terms of dating nowadays, you can order someone up like a sandwich, aka place an order for someone on a dating app. Like if you want to have someone to hook up with, you can find that on a dating app. If you want someone to go on a date with and get dinner with or get drinks with, you can find that on a dating app. Might not be your one and only and the perfect person in the entire world for you, but you'll be able to find someone if you want someone on a dating app the same way that in New York, if you want to find a good sandwich, you can find a million options on a Postmates or something like that. And that really stuck with me because obviously it wasn't like that for a long time before the match.coms of the world, it just wasn't even an option to meet people on the internet, online in any way. And so it's just, that's probably the biggest difference. She was talking about like the big differences today versus then when she was in her version of New York in the 70s when she was going to Studio 54 and writing all this stuff and not sure where it was going to go without knowing that it's going to become an empire. Like this was a totally different New York that she was experiencing. And so that was kind of the whole point of the show. Is there still sex in the city? Like what is Candace Bushnell's take on New York City today versus the New York City that she knew and was inspired by and became famous for writing about? And online dating is a huge difference. Obviously now and like in Just Like That, the new spinoff of Sex in the City, which Candace actually has no part in apparently. She went to the premiere, but she doesn't have a part in writing that. So she doesn't really even know where it's going to go, I don't think. But that version of the show, like obviously maybe someone could meet someone on a dating app in this version and and just like that version of the show. But in the original series, that just was not a thing and how different life is today because of that. Like, And how frustrating it is. Like dating apps are frustrating. This life that I live here in New York can be very frustrating at times because of the options we have. I actually stumbled across this TikTok tonight as I'm recording this, like I took a pause and I found this TikTok that was just so relevant. And it was like, you could go on a great date. It was two guys talking to each other. And it was like, you can go on a great date with a girl and then still be able to go on Hinge or whatever app and swipe and find other great girls that are just as great seemingly on paper as the girl you just went on a great date with. Like there's so many options and you can just swipe and find someone that fits the mood you're in. Like if this person won't put out, then this person will. And they're exactly the same on paper. And it seems like it just, it, you know, humans were not meant, this is my takeaway, human beings were not meant to know this many people, to be exposed to this many people. It's a blessing and a curse because we are exposed to so much, which means we can have all of these our, our minds can be open to so many different kinds of people and how people live. And we can see how so many people live on TikTok, no matter where in the world they are. And yet it makes us feel somehow less connected to other people because there's just so many people. Unless you really work for it and connect to those people in your real life and have real conversations in person, like it just becomes this overload, I think. And human beings before our generation have never been exposed to this many people. In the initial Sex and the Series, Sex and the Series, Sex and the City series, the women were not exposed to nearly as many men as we can be exposed to today because of dating apps. 
So just some food for thought for you guys. Overall, I think that Is There Still Sex in the City? The show by Candace Bushnell was so good. A must see if you're able to here in the city. I'm not sure if she'll be traveling with it anywhere besides New York, but it was really, really good. Meeting her was the highlight of my life, as I've noted several times. And honestly, my notes section of my phone is the most sacred place now because I have Candace Bushnell's 10 Rules for Life written down in my notes section. Like she gave us 10 concrete rules that are so interesting. I'll actually, I'll read them to you guys. Wouldn't that be good? I'm sure it would be. I'm sure people out there are like, Katie, read the read the darn rules. Okay, rule number one, if you won't do it, somebody else will. Which she attributed to dating, to marriage, to life. If you don't do it, someone else will. Rule number two, men lie about everything. Rule number three, Being with a Pulitzer Prize winner won't make you one yourself, which was that first boyfriend she had in New York. Number four, maybe conventional is not for everyone. Number five, people in relationships only see what they want to see. Number six, when it comes to sex, there's no free lunch. Number seven, be specific about what you want. Number eight, you can't rely on anyone else. And that one I didn't get to write down in time, so I'm not sure if that's fully it. There was probably more to that. But number nine, other people's marriages aren't as great as you think they are. Number 10, your girlfriends are forever. So those were Candace Fishnell's 10 rules for life, which in my notes section, they're there. So you guys should write them down yourselves because they're very good. Anyway, that is my episode on Candace Bushnell. I hope you guys were inspired by this episode, as inspired as I was watching the show last night, meeting her, and just reading more about her life more than I ever knew before. So anyway, guys, thanks for listening. I will talk to you all next week. And like I said, in multiple other episodes, I have another podcast that comes out on Tuesdays. You guys know Thick and Thin, this one you're listening to right now, comes out on Thursdays. But on Tuesdays, I have another podcast called Match Made in Manhattan, where we talk about life love in New York City in a whole different way with two of my best friends, Adam and Colby. So definitely check it out. Give it a listen. If you guys want some dating tea, it's over on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And that is it for this episode of Thick and Thin. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love 
to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.